0: podcast about this is a podcast where on a fortnightly basis me keith ramsey and my friends peter acrely peter acrely
1: hello why is my mic not working now hello
0: and matthew grace hello get together i responded that's true you did respond
1: i responded as well it's just my mic didn't want to transmit that fucking message for some reason
0: (laughs) you know i have sometimes debated on if i want to do this intro every time or i just want to cold open so you can't screw it up anymore
1: I like us just fucking up the intro on a weekly bar, uh, basis. It feels right. Well,
0: anyways, as I was saying, uh, essentially we just get together, talk about random stuff, see if it's a podcast. That's it. What random stuff do you guys have to talk about over the past couple of days?
1: Uh, oh, D- Digital
2: Extremes had their uh, 2021 Tenocon and released the... Trailer and opening bit of the first part of the new war quest. That
1: That's was a really bunch of words good. that probably meant something to some people. Is this like Warframe related because he said war, so I assume it's yes, Warframe.
2: Yes, well, I, I did say Warframe.
1: Okay, I missed the frame. Did I right say
2: Warframe? Place. I might not. No, say you did Warframe. not say Warframe. Okay, I did not say Warframe. Digital extremes and Warframe are synonymous in my brain.
0: Yeah, I, well, I knew what you were talking about when you said digital extremes, but
1: <laughs> you unfortunately, did not I have
0: say Warframe.
1: I have so little experience with Warframe, I did not know what Digital Extremes meant. Good to know. So there's content in the game now? Uh,
2: Coming soon. (laughs) Okay. But they also... In the near
1: future, there will be content for the game.
2: Yes. And they also released or revealed a uh, working prototype of cross-save and cross-play... Functionality across all platforms. All platforms? Computer, all platforms. Computer, PlayStation, Xbox, mobile. You'll be able to play your same account on all platforms and play with anyone on any one of those platforms. They've finally got it close to working, and they're going to be shipping it soon, TM.
1: It, uh, so... Help me understand a couple things here, because as stated previously, my experience with Warframe is very limited. Is your interactions with other players primarily in a cooperative sense or competitive sense? Uh,
2: cooperative. There is a small competitive aspect in a PvP game mode that very few people touch.
1: Okay. You can get behind cross-platform play if it's primarily meant for cooperative. I just find the issues inherent with cross-platform cross, pl- cross platform play uh, don't always lend themselves to c- competitive gameplay just because there are differences between the different processors and all oh, that yeah. jazz. Especially just,
2: in this case where you'll be able to uh, have people playing on their phone paired up with people playing on their computers.
1: Yeah, like the fucking quintessential example of that is fucking uh, Call of Duty War zone war zone that's what it's called when that one first came out and they released cross-platform play the fucking pc gamers just ruined everyone's time if they weren't on a pc gamer because the pcs were that much better but they had a so line much-
0: on the internet pc gamers show up and ruin everything
1: yeah exactly and then fucking call of duty or infinity games or whatever that fucking people are called infinity war, uh, i believe Infinity Ward, thank you. Uh, Tried to balance it out by adding aim assist to the console gamers to the point where console gamers just started dunking on PC gamers because the gun shot itself at your enemy's head, and everything was fine. Uh, And now it's just not fun for anyone except for console gamers. So when I hear cross-platform play, I get a little bit nervous, but if it's cooperative, then I have no reason to be concerned.
2: Yeah, there's no reason to be concerned here. There is a very, very, very small player base that touches the... uh... The competitive aspect of Warframe.
1: To be fair, who gives a fuck about competitive game players anyways? Yeah, exactly. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Okay, uh, speaking of competitive gamers, uh, you guys hear about the Steam Deck?
1: I did hear about the Steam Deck. I am actually pretty fucking hyped for that. Maybe?
2: I... Is that Steam's version of the Switch?
1: Yeah, that's the Switch Pro. Okay. As in,
0: uh, not, not exactly, the... <laughs> but essentially, Switch announced the OLED version and that wasn't the Switch Pro that everyone wanted, and then almost immediately, I think, like, a day after, Steam's like, oh, you wanted Switch Pro? Here's Switch Pro.
1: It's essentially a handheld PC, and that from the specs, it looks like it can play most PC games uh, as competently as a decent PC could. Uh, The main difference is you're probably not going to be using it for any of the other PC-related activities you do. Uh, But you can. But, yeah. You, You theoretically could... It'd be a weird choice.
0: I mean, it's not theoretically. They uh, answer like it's just an open system that just has Steam preloaded on it. So if you want, you could play Stadia. You could even put a Switch emulator on it and just play Switch games at the pro level.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it'd be weird to use it as like a text editor or for sending emails to your boss or shit like that. You theoretically could probably. Most people are probably going to be using it for playing games in some way, shape or form. Oh, most likely.
2: And did they put a price
1: point on it yet? Uh, Uh, They put three price points on it.
2: Yep, so the only difference
0: between the three versions is memory and the speed of said memory. Uh, So it's like a 60 gig, a 256 gig, and like a 580
1: gig. That's not entirely accurate. There are a few very minor differences. Oh, the case. (laughs) Yes, the 60 gig one is 500 Canadian dollars, approximately, based on the current things. The 512 gig one is 820 dollars however it does also come with an exclusive carrying case so more bang for your buck if you're willing to spend the 820 dollars
2: all right fair enough
0: yeah it really depends. Admit, a,
2: a little cheaper than i was expecting it
0: oh yeah, it's like uh gabe newell went on like a whole like uh, interview about what they were trying to do with the steam deck and he pretty much just admitted it's like Yeah, we're selling this at a loss, but we're not looking at it like, oh, we need to sell X amount of games to people on the network to recoup costs. It's just seeing if there's a demand out there for this. That's why they're making them to order.
2: Yeah. Okay.
0: But if this does go well, which Valve has always kind of had a finger on the pulse of a lot of gaming trends and innovated on them. I think the fact that Valve is throwing into this market means that there's definitely something here that they're seeing.
1: Yeah, I think pre-orders start relatively soon, and they're expecting to have them shipped out and in players' hands uh, like mid-2022, I think was what I was reading.
0: Uh, So uh, you're a bit wrong on that. Uh, The pre-orders were actually as of, uh, let me just double check the date here, Uh, last week on Friday. Oh shit, pre-orders
1: have already started, nice.
0: Yeah, so on the 16th, they had the uh, pre-orders go for that one. Uh, and it's not really a pre-order in the normal sense. It's more of you're putting down $5 to hold a spot. Uh, and right. in order to do this, you have to have a Steam account that's been active for at least a year. Uh, and uh, you have to sign in. And then you put this cost down onto it that saves your spot. And then, uh, when the actual physical model's ready to be shipped, that's when they ask you to confirm your order. Right. And that's when you pay the rest of I knew of it, it was something like that. Yeah, and the... Thing about that too is, so yeah, that's the five dollar pre-order. Then they end up asking you if you want it at the time that the models become available. You can cancel the order at any time. I think after thirty days though, it becomes Steam credit only and not a full refund.
1: Yeah, uh, and I assume that's just because the fact that where they are mostly just making them to order, the pre pre-order in air quotes because as you said, it's not a proper pre-order, is mostly just to gauge how much interest there is before they actually. Get to manufacturing
0: exactly and just like everything there's probably a magic number that if they hit it pre-orders they start making a profit anyways even if they are selling it at a loss yeah uh, on top oh, yeah. of that uh well the pre-orders were going actually uh it initially was supposed to be holiday so quarter four of this year where they were going to start shipping and, and, and while well, i was watching it because i actually put a pre-order in i put a five dollar hold on the 256 model uh Well, that was going through, and I put my order through. It immediately swapped over to quarter one of 2022. So they've already Uh, had to extend the date based on demand.
1: I will tell you, I was just Googling it. It's already been updated to quarter two of 2022.
0: Yeah. So they definitely have the demand that's pushing it back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I do like the idea of them being like, all right, we'll do it quarter four 2021. And then they just get so fucking inundated. They're like, push it back push it back again. We we need more time.
0: Oh, no, uh, there are people that still are going to have it by quarter uh, four. It's just that they took so many yeah. orders. That's like, well, it's not feasible to get it done in this time. Uh, yeah. So
1: I mean, like back. push it back in the sense they can't guarantee for new people that they're getting it that fucking early anymore.
0: Yeah. Uh, a, a few other things that did happen. Uh, Steam actually kind of went down in a sense during this. It was still up and you could still do things, but any type of in uh, client confirmation, was for all purposes down so if you had to get through an age gate or you wanted to confirm credit card information it just would not work and it wasn't like one of those like cannot connect or anything it was just like please try again later that's all it said
1: please leave me alone is how I imagine the voice in my head um fair
0: and uh, one other uh, funny thing that actually came out of this too that's worth mentioning so, like everything nowadays, uh, scalpers are trying to get in on this, of course.
1: Of course.
2: So, of course.
0: So, Steam did mitigate a lot of that problem by having the rule that the uh, Steam account had to be active for X amount of time. Kind of like how they always had that you have to make a purchase before you can do certain things on the game. Yeah. Uh, and how so- you
1: also can only pre order one per account, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, that did stop a lot of it. But as people were seeing on eBay, uh, a lot of pre-order things are popping up for like double the cost. So like $2,000 for these things. Uh, And the beautiful thing about this is it immediately got shut down because eBay started taking down these listings because it violates their new pre-order policy where you can't sell things that aren't out yet.
1: Ooh. Fucking, I'm so glad uh, fucking eBay is taking, at the very least, the smallest step towards... Fucking with the scalpers, so. It's a nice touch.
0: Yeah, and that's always the biggest thing for, like, people that are scalping these pre-order items. It's buying up so many and then having it look like there's a high demand at the very least for the pre-orders that people feel like they have to buy through them. But if they're not getting any visibility up to the point of the release, then it's not going to help them.
1: Yeah. Especially where people can still do the fucking pre-order through Steam.
0: Yeah, the only thing with the pre-order is it's not that you're not able to purchase the model it's just that you might not be guaranteed it in a speedy time frame
1: yeah. yeah which
2: kind of invalidates the whole scalping thing anyway because scalping is well only effective because of limited stock
1: oh yeah if playstation and the product
2: in question is being made to order you uh, yeah, order it, you're going it, to get it
1: the fact that it was declared as being made to order and scalpers still tried to fucking Profit off that is a little bit silly.
0: Yeah, I feel like the PlayStation 5 issue would practically be solved if Sony was just like, okay, we're making an order line, just put your name in here, and we'll contact you when it's your turn. Uh, like, even if I was like, okay, you're getting a PlayStation 5 in like, half a year, I'd be fine with just paying it up front that early, knowing that I'm getting one in that time frame.
1: Yeah. Could you guys what? hear that?
2: People are yep. dumb, and people do dumb things.
1: Yep. Of course.
0: Uh, speaking of dumb things, uh, I spent a lot of money on purchasing the Resident Evil Three board game, and I know I said dumb things, but I love it.
1: Nothing with that. Nothing dumb about that.
0: Yeah, Steam a uh, version of Resident Evil Three, the board game. Uh, I finally got my copy of it, uh, and it came with a cool little teaser that they're doing the Resident Evil th- uh, One board game finally, which I guess if Resident Evil's thirty-fifth anniversary it makes sense they'd be doing that one.
1: Yeah. I can understand why it wasn't the first one they made, but it is good that they are getting around to making it as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Resident Evil 2 board game and the Resident Evil 3 board game both came out pretty close to the remakes of 2 and 3. So it's yeah. definitely... Capcom's been working a lot with Forge in a lot of games. They have Monster Hunter, Deadly Cry. Uh, and they were even kind of hinting that they were going to do something for the 35th anniversary, but they wouldn't say anything during the campaign. So getting the little teaser uh, in the board game box saying coming autumn 2021 uh, was pretty fun.
1: Yeah, that's pretty soon that uh, people will presumably be able to get in on ordering Resident Evil 1.
0: Yep. One other thing that uh, this isn't really kind of new information. Uh, It's something I kind of end up going back to, but I recently started watching Wayward Pines.
2: What is this?
1: I'm Uh, not familiar uh, with that one.
0: So it's a book series that I never really heard of, uh, but the... This show was recommended to me because I liked things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Twin Peaks. I'm like, oh, hell yeah, then. And essentially, it's this FBI agent, uh, Ethan, who wakes up in a forest and walks into a town, like all like beaten the hell out of, and gets to a coffee shop, finds out he's in a place called uh, Wayward Pines and passes out and wakes up in a hospital. But in the opening of the show, we hear that he was uh, in a very traumatic situation, where a criminal went loose and killed a bunch of people. And apparently he suffers from hallucinations, but he says he isn't anymore. And then in the hospital, they mentioned that he's got uh, bleeding in the brain that's going to make him hallucinate. It's going to get worse and worse. And then a bunch of weird stuff starts happening in Wayward Pines, like he can't contact out of the city. And he finds the dead body of an agent he was looking for. And apparently he's computer chipped. And it's kind of playing with the expectation of what's real and what's not. Sure. Like, people will sometimes look at them and say, you are not allowed to leave, or don't try to leave.
1: Yeah, I can see how this show would be right up your fucking alley.
0: Yeah. Three episodes in, it's good so far. Although, it's only two seasons. I think it didn't get renewed after that. So I might uh, yeah. it to jump into the book.
1: Back in 2015, two seasons, ten episodes each, stopped airing this time five years ago. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it just... Perhaps wasn't popular enough for Fox's standards.
0: Yeah, so I'll see how that goes. I'll fill you guys back in on that one, depending.
1: Okay. Fair enough. I also recently started consuming some content that I will fill you guys in and on more once I uh, complete my journey. But uh, you guys are familiar with The Martian, right? The, the Matt Damon movie, also the book.
2: Yes, mm, I think so.
1: Cool. It's about a guy who gets stranded on Mars and then uses science to survive for a while until he can get back to Earth. Uh, well, oh, yeah. there, there's another book by the same author uh, called Project Hail Mary. Uh, I'm only two chapters in, but I already find it delightful. Uh, and it follows the story of a guy who wakes up on a spaceship with no memory of how he got there and sees two other crewmates who died during their like cryogenic sleep process thing uh and it's just this guy trying to go through his memories and remember why he's on a spaceship and who he even is because there's a a robot ai that talks to him daily to like gauge his mental acuity and so far the question he's stuck on is what is your name and he keeps not providing an answer to that and the computer is just getting frustrated with him for it um But it's got a lot of the same kind of humor of the other Andy Weir book, The Martian, and that it's a lot of just a character playing off of himself and having conversations with himself, but he's still very charming and fun and uses a lot of science. Like he gauged the acceleration of the spaceship he's currently on by hanging a pendulum from one end and swinging it back and forth and counting how many rotations it does to gauge the current acceleration well, he did it to gauge how much gravity it was, because he felt like things were fast, falling faster than they should be, and then used that to determine he's definitely not on Earth and is probably on a spaceship, and that's about as far as I've gotten. It's good. Sounds fun. I would, I would recommend reading it. I will give you a more concise description of why I recommend reading it probably next time we record. I will have it finished by the next time we record a podcast. Fair enough. Literally started reading it earlier today.
0: <laughs> well, with that, I think it's time we get into our main topic for the day.
1: A movie out of time.
0: Yeah, and out of sequence, too. We're talking about Black Widow.
1: Okay. First things first, before we get into the plot of the movie at all, I just want... Oh, wait,
0: wait. wait. Okay, go ahead,
1: actually. I just want gut reaction. Did you enjoy the movie? Did you not enjoy the movie? With none of the context or anything around it, I just want to know if you enjoyed the movie or not. I liked it. I'll say yes. I also enjoyed the movie. Now let's get to talking about what the fuck's wrong with it.
0: Yeah, Matt, tell us what happened.
2: Um. Russian spy fake family becomes real family, I guess.
0: (laughs) What do you mean, I guess? They definitely became real family at the end.
2: Eh, It's up for debate, but yeah.
1: Uh. As a member of a "quote-unquote" blended family that's not entirely blood, I would argue that they're definitely real family.
0: For a second there, I don't know why, but I thought you were going to go down the spy route of like being a part of a fake family, and then spying on the Canadian government.
1: No, 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 Keith, I told you that in confidence. Don't tell the listeners of this podcast. See, if I don't th- sound too enthusiastic when I say that, the audience will assume it's just a bad joke. So, um, yeah, which should be fine. I think I covered our bases. Also, edit this part out.
0: Oh, yeah, sure. I'll definitely will.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, so fake Russian spy family starring uh, David Hopper. Uh, <laughs> nope, that's not his name. That's just the character name who I always associate him with. Harbor? Yeah, Harbor. What's his name?
0: Yeah. It's close to Hopper. Uh, I, I see why you made the mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, David Harbour uh, playing a Russian superhero by the name of the Red Guardian uh, and his family, which includes Black Widow and a sister and a mother um, who also have names, I'm sure.
0: Well, they're also Black Widows.
1: Yes, all three of them are Black Widows because Black Widow is not unique to uh, Natasha Romanoff uh, Black Widow is just a code name for the female spies that were trained in the Red Room also yeah. the Red Room is a thing in case you forgot it from previous Marvel installments
0: yeah I think the best way to put it is that they're all Black Widows but she is the Black Widow in a sense
1: yeah I think that's a good way to do it um yeah so movie opens there in Ohio was that the state they were in
2: Yes, Ohio, flashback to the past.
1: It's 1995. Yeah, it's 1995.
0: (laughs) Now, one of the things that happened here, and I didn't catch this, but I I was looking through, like, things you might have missed uh, things on it. Because I like doing that to see, like, if there's any Easter eggs I did miss. And a lot of people are apparently really pissed off that the My Little Pony that she's playing with at the beginning of the movie is a model that wasn't available in 1995. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm mean, gonna be honest I don't even remember her playing with the My Little Pony but I'm sure she did and I have no feelings about it the thing I find interesting about 1995 is that's also when the uh, events of Captain Marvel are largely taking place uh, so lots of shit going on with S.H.I.E.L.D. on uh, Earth during that year because as we learn later on in this movie the whole reason that I almost called him David Hopper again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the whole reason the Red Guardian is in uh, America with his Russian fake slash real family... They're fake at this point. I, c- I can safely call them a fake family. They become a real family well, by the end. Well, three out the of minutes. four of
0: them know that they're a fake family.
1: Yes. Um, but yes, the whole reason they're in Ohio as a part of a fake family is to steal from a sh- secret shield lab, which is actually a Hydra lab, because... It's one of those things where the more you try and explain shit that's going on in these movies, the more convoluted it becomes because you have to reference details from previous movies in the MCU. Suffice it to say, they broke into a secret S.H.I.E.L.D. lab to steal some evidence or some scientific research. Um, And yeah, that's why a fun detail that I found out from watching one of those... uh, things you might have missed, is later on when they're fleeing America and trying to get on a plane, it's not FBI or CIA cars, they're specifically marked as S.H.I.E.L.D. cards because they just broke into a S.H.I.E.L.D. laboratory and stole some information. Yeah,
0: they're getting chased by S.H.I.E.L.D. because they stole the like brainwashing computer thingy that's red.
1: To be fair, this one wasn't actually uh, wasn't technically anything to do with brainwashing, it was just a map of the brain that the black widow program used to create their brainwashing technology
2: yes and natasha's mother call or referred to later on in the movie as the map of human free will or something like that yeah so essentially the gateway to brainwashing
0: yeah now i don't know about you guys but there was i found this opening kind of ridiculous for one specific thing of when they're leaving they put on American Pie as they're driving out, and they drive past every goddamn American stereotype.
1: Yeah, they drive yeah, past okay. an old iron bridge with fucking Christmas lights in the shape of an American flag. They drive past a fucking high school football game. Yeah, it's just fucking very was- clear that this is their last trip through America, so they wanted to see the sights before they left.
0: I was half expecting like them just to go past like a window where like a woman was putting a pie up on it or something like that. It's like, the sun rises.
1: To be fair, I do appreciate the use of American Pie, or Bye Bye Miss American Pie, whatever the song's fucking actually called. American Pie. American Pie. Pie. Sure. Um, I do appreciate the use of it for the callback later on, when you have fucking David Harbour as the Red Guardian in a very thick Russian accent, singing that song to Yelena to convince her that he remembers their time as a family. And it's just like it's supposed to be a touching scene, but it's just kind of ridiculous watching an American put on a fake Russian accent so they can sing an American song. <laughs> it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I think this movie does a good job of kind of balancing the spy thriller with some of the rid- more ridiculous things, which do happen to be mainly around the Red Guardian character. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like his think... whole fuck... Fl- oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: I was saying, I think he's definitely probably like my favorite part of this movie, and I really hope he comes back in the MCU in a greater capacity.
1: Yeah, I especially loved his whole fucking diatribe that he goes on while he's locked in prison and he's recounting his tales of his fight with Captain America and how he's the one person who's ever beaten Captain America in a fight. And then one of the other prisoners walks up and he's like, when did this happen? And like, fucking Red right, was like, I don't know, it was like 86, 87. And the other prisoner's like, ha, huh, at that time, fucking Captain America was still fucking frozen on ice. You're making shit up. And then fucking David Harbor just breaks the guy's arm. Not Red Guardian. I fully believe that was real, and David <laughs> Harbor was so pissed off that he broke the guy's arm. Um,
0: yeah, because capped uh, at this time was in ice from the fifties until well, no, would have been uh, the forties until uh, like twenty a... yeah, uh,
1: twenty ten ish. Yeah, I think was when he came out.
0: Although there, there's already speculation that what he fought was possibly a dimension hopping. Uh, Captain America.
1: I could believe that. I Ooh, could also yeah. believe... That's uh, true. Because we know from uh, Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Captain Falcon. Close enough. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. God damn it. What's with Mephisto my brain and Mephisto. names? Uh, Mephisto and Winter Mephisto. Thank you, Matt. I I was so close to remembering the name of the show. Yes. Uh, uh, we already know from Mephisto and the Winter Mephisto that uh, America did make other secret soldiers using the secret soldier serum, so it could be a uh, time traveling Steve Rogers uh, putting the stones back. It also could have just as easily been one of the other people that they gave the super soldier serum to, but never fully acknowledged as Captain America at the time. I can
2: certainly see, I can certainly see the Red Guardian in a future installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe wanting to have a match against the new Captain America.
0: And hell, it could even be the whole situation that he fought in Captain America. Might not even be, you know, Steve Rogers. It could have been, like, any of the multiverse uh, stuff going on.
1: Yeah, because while it hasn't been fully acknowledged in MCU as of... Especially as of when the movie was slated to be released, there wasn't any multiverse teases, really. But we do know that that is something coming down the pipe in the future.
0: So seeing a payoff to that could be interesting, uh, but I do really want to see more of uh, Harbour doing the Red Guardian in the storyline. Uh, Harbour getting... is
1: Harper's fucking fantastic as the Red Guardian.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely be getting Elena. She looks to be kind of filling in for the Black Widow role uh, in this ongoing franchise part. Uh, but yep. uh, on the topic of uh, the expectations of things and uh, playing off like you know, one-off lines... Uh, what do you guys think of the Budapest reveal?
1: Of what, what actually happened in Budapest? Yeah. Uh, I, I was kind of glad for it, just because the fact that, like, this has been something they've been teasing for a long time, what's been happening with Budapest. From the first fucking Avengers movie, there was reference to uh, Black Widow clearing out some of the red in her ledger, and Loki respond by calling attention to Drakov's daughter. So... I'm glad to know what actually fucking happened in uh, Budapest all those years ago. I think this was a cool enough way of doing it of they bombed a fucking embassy, killing a bunch of people, and then hit out in a fucking subway air vent for two days. Playing tic tac toe. So the thing I, I love that uh, they drew uh,
0: The thing I love that they draw attention to, though, is there's the line in the first Avengers where she's like, "Just like Budapest," and he's like, "We remember this very differently." And all I can think of is, like, "Yeah, why does she think specifically of Budapest in the situation? They're being attacked by aliens. How does you know blowing up an embassy and a little girl remind you of this?" Girl?
1: Yeah. Uh, see, I assume they're focusing on different details because, yeah. None of the details line up with Budapest at all. I think the main difference that she's remembering is they were very heavily outnumbered in Budapest and just doing what it took to survive. And that's the detail she's choosing to reference when she says just like Budapest. Whereas, yes, I think Clint is 100% like, we just like hid in an air vent in a subway. I don't know why you're talking aliens. about Budapest. There were no aliens. We weren't, like, dealing with monsters or anything. It's a very different situation. So we got some more uh, Thaddeus Ross uh, story development. They're building up his character more and more, which I like. Uh, Was it you, Keith, who was talking a while back about how they seem to be building towards uh, Ross's Thunderbirds or whatever the fuck it's called?
0: Yeah, I think that the story is going in one of two ways, whether it could be Thunderbolts or even Dark Avengers. Uh, so, I guess I'll explain this a little bit. Uh, so, how this movie ends, we get the uh, end credit scene that's kind of a flash forward to Yelena visiting Natasha's grave. and then, After the
2: events of the Avengers. yeah, and, and, Or, end game.
0: yeah, And yes. then, while she's there, Contessa shows up, and is like, oh, we got a new mission for you," Regardless of the fact that she's like, oh, you're gonna fight Hawkeye who killed Natasha and get revenge or whatever. Contessa, uh, has shown up as well in uh, the Cap uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Yeah. And recruited...
1: She... Oh. U.S. agent who was the ex-new Captain America.
0: Yeah, and so she's already kind of revealed, the actress, that she is kind of like a darker Nick Fury in this universe for what she's doing. And what did Nick Fury do aside from getting the Avengers together? So the popular idea right now is that the Dark Avengers is actually going to consist of, like, flipped versions of the original Avengers roster. So, so far, that means we have uh, Yelena filling in the Black Widow role, U.S. Agent filling in the Captain America role. We know that Abomination is showing up, and people believe that he's going to fill the Hulk position on the team.
1: That makes sense.
0: Uh, On top of that as well, uh, there's speculation that we're going to get a Loki variant, end up being the Thor villain.
1: I could see that as well. Not even necessarily, like, I understand why that's the speculation. We could also just as easily get a Thor variant, uh, who's just a worse person uh, as the Thor villain.
0: Yeah, and then also uh, where we're getting the Hawkeye series, which we know is going to tie directly into the Black Widow movie, as we saw in the end credit scene. Uh, the belief is that Kate Bishop will end up being on this team as well in some capacity. Uh, And then finally, uh, this one is purely speculation as we don't really have anything to go on. But some people are believing that the Iron Patriot armor will be the Iron Man villain. And that could be anyone from Baron Zemo inside of it to another character that we haven't seen yet.
1: Definitely. uh, I can definitely see that as well. That seems entirely possible given the two characters we have seen. Yelena, or not Yelena, Valentina uh, recruit so far. Um, she's definitely a suspicious character at this point in the story given that she's only appeared after the plot has resolved to, to recruit characters so even if she's not specifically making the Avengers she's definitely filling in a Nick Fury-esque role of making a team for some purpose uh, down the line and only kind of hinting at future movies
0: yeah so the idea is that in the MCU right now they're building up two distinct rosters, which is this Dark Avengers-esque thing, which could just be Thunderbolts, and also a young Avengers team. Yeah. And if it did happen to be it was kind of like that flipped original Avengers roster, that would be pretty cool, regardless.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I could even see them, uh, like, the next big Avengers movie being Avengers versus Dark Avengers or whatever, Avengers versus Thunderbolts or something like that. Uh, only for a bigger threat to show up and get teased at the end of that one. And then we have a Avengers movie down the line, which is this team that is currently filling up with people who are potentially villains uh, who end up working alongside them in a much bigger fight against a bigger threat down the line. Yeah. It's the classic uh, Loki technique of you establish someone as a villain and then just slowly spend time making them likable. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Be, be fair, I think, I think Hiddleston did a lot of that work himself.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I should rephrase. It's not so much making him likable, because that was all Hiddleston. It's more so just making them on the side of good. Whether they're likable or not, because they're going to have a lot of fucking lag work to put in if they plan on making fucking US Agent likable.
0: I mean, they definitely put a good work in there at the end of uh, Falcon to Winter Soldier.
1: Like, they laid the groundwork, but I, there's still work to be done before people like him, given how many fucking death threats they sent to him, which is just, we talked about this when we talked about that, uh, when we did the podcast on the topic, it's just fucking ridiculous. Anyways, back to this movie, I guess.
0: Uh, so in the trailers, there was kind of like a big thing that was into that. And that was, uh, the Taskmaster uh, reveal. When did you guys find out who it was? Because I have a feeling that none of us, uh, were surprised when the reveal happened.
2: Um, you know, I had no idea who it was until the reveal, but when the reveal happened, I was like, oh, that actually makes sense. I wasn't surprised by the reveal, but I didn't know until that point.
0: Yeah, the reveal was that it was Dreykov's daughter is Taskmaster. She didn't actually die in the explosion. And the fact that they kind of focused on the fact that, you know, Black Widow killed a little girl so, uh, like, hard. And then, yeah, yeah, at the same time, like, is like, oh, who is this person? I was like, it's going to be the daughter. It's 100% going to be yeah. the daughter.
1: So, uh, I very immediately knew it wasn't going to be Tony Masters. That yeah. much was very clear to me from the beginning. I'd say the moment I first had the realization it was probably going to be Drakov's daughter, was when they actually do the flashback to killing, or blowing up the building in Budapest to kill fucking Drakov, Purely for the reason of they make a point of showing uh, Black Widow confirm that uh, Drakov's daughter is in the building, and then she looks away before the explosion, so she doesn't actually see what happens. And she has the line about how they didn't go in to confirm there was a body because there's nothing left to find a body. So, I they were putting in a lot of work to making it are leaving room for the fact that the daughter wasn't actually dead. So, the moment I saw that scene, I was. Started to have the thought in my head that Taskmaster was probably just a daughter in a suit.
2: Yep. And typical work of fiction logic no body means they're not dead.
1: Yep. Not even work of fiction, but comic books, even more heavily so. Oh, yeah. If you don't see the corpse, they're not dead. And if you see the corpse, there's still like a 30% chance they're not dead.
0: Yeah. Well, it could have been an LMD or a decoy of some sort or fill in. Yeah. Uh, what's the. That Marvel character that just, he like, his whole thing is he just dies, the human target or something like that?
1: Uh, yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah, it was probably him. Every death in the MCU is him.
2: Also, on the point of Taskmaster, when the Taskmaster first showed up in a uh, little altercation against uh, Natasha, it's like, I knew something was going to happen when she pulled out when she was uh, driving out into town to get some gas for the generator, but I still jumped when the rocket made impact with her car.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. So, like they do a good work of setting that scene up. Like, oh, you, something
2: is going to happen. We saw the case that was exactly. You see the, the, fuck- was, uh, exactly. you see the fucking them.
1: package. You know that she has the drug, or not the drugs, but the like the, mind antidote. antidote. That's the word. Uh, you know she has the fucking antidote. And she makes a point of putting into her car before later going into her car to drive into town. You're like, yeah, they're definitely tracking the antidote. They're going to fucking find She stops
2: at the intersection, looks both ways, and is like, oh, I know. As soon as she pulls out, something is going to happen. And then I still jump when something happens. (laughs) Because it was an incredibly sudden explosion.
1: So what did you think of the Taskmasters fighting in general and how they kind of incorporated... Like fight choreography from, I'd say the main ones they got were Black America. Panther and Captain America. There is a splash of fucking Black Widow's choreography in there as well. Yep.
0: Yeah, it was mainly Hawkeye, Black Panther, Captain America, and Black Widow stuff.
1: Jeez, oh, Taskma- you're right. There was well, a little bit of uh, Hawkeye. I forgot yeah, about that.
2: Taskmaster's right. scenes in this were just incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed the fight scenes. <laughs> I they- loved
2: every action sequence. As soon as the camera shifted from whatever was going on to Taskmaster, the music changed to this choir, including or to this other piece, like specifically for Taskmaster with choir. I'm like, that's the epic music for the the epic person in this video in this movie.
1: Yeah, it's the Inception bomb but as an audio cue for fucking Taskmaster instead yeah. of just Inception things happen. Uh,
0: I will say there was one thing I was a bit disappointed with, uh, Taskmaster, and this is kind of just something I would have liked to see, but they played on Red Guardian saying that he could beat Captain America in a fight so hard that I was really hoping that we would have got Taskmaster using strictly Captain America stuff to fight Red Guardian and then have that, like, get resolved in that
1: aspect.
2: Yeah, but so unfortunate that their fight had to be cut short.
1: Yeah. To a pair, we got the tiniest splash of payoff to that, not in the fight between Red Guardian and Taskmaster as Captain America, but in the one of the key lines that uh Red Guardian uses is how he took advantage of Captain America's stupid shield to defeat him. Uh and then when him and the mother Milena, I think, are flying away from the Red Room. Uh, you see one of the soldiers like land on the front of the plane and is starting to try and kill them. And then he just kicks up the shield that's on the ground and throws it at Buddy in the window and knocks him off so that they get away. And it's just like, it's not exactly what he described, but it is him still using Captain America's stupid shield to his advantage so that he can win a fight and survive. And it was just, it was a nice touch to at least have some payoff.
0: Yeah, because the key detail we get here is that no one in this universe can just fucking bend over to pick up something.
1: Yeah, no, it, if there's something on the ground next to you, especially if it's a shield of made of metal, I doubt that his shield was made of vibranium, uh, the trick to getting it up is to kick it and have it bounce up into your arm instead. It does look cool, though, I'll admit that. Speaking of things that look cool, but uh, is clearly not cool in-universe... The Black Widow landing that got fucking Yelena just re- <laughs> oh, repeatedly referred to her as a poser. I love that. <laughs> this is such a great touch.
2: It's just in the convenience store. So
1: what is the the thing you do? You're, you're with a poser. The that pose you do with the hair flip. It's like, what are you talking about? And she like does the motion. She's like, it's a total fight pose. You're a poser. You guys are posers. And she's like, we're not posers. It's like, but you're posing. That makes you a poser.
0: Or that she refers uh, to her as, like, not the real
1: Avengers. Uh, yeah, it's, uh... He didn't want, or he wanted you to think he was dead because if you found out, you might send one of the big Avengers to deal with it. And Blackwater's is just like, what do you mean, big Avengers? And she's just like, you know, like, the Thunder guy? I don't, he would need to take fucking ibuprofen after a fucking fight. <laughs> then- fucking Yelena shitting on, uh... Natasha throughout the movie was actually pretty fucking great. Yeah,
2: and then the additional nice touch near the end in the climax where Yelena happens to do the Natasha landing and hair flip and just stands up immediately and shudders like, "Uh, that was gross.
0: (laughs)
1: That was
2: disgusting.
0: Uh, Actually, uh, on that topic too, something I, I do want to say this movie did really well is I feel like so far in the whole MCU, this is probably the first movie that does a good job of explaining why other characters aren't there. Because that's always been a question that comes up constantly in the movies. like, oh, why did he know Tony Stark come help Thor when he was fighting in London or stuff like that, right? It's always like, why did nothing happen? But this is the first movie that kind of, I felt like, yeah, of course it would be Blackwood on her own in this
1: situation. Yeah. She, first of all, the fucking Avengers recently got into a major fight, and she doesn't know if she can count on any of them at all. And which she is got rid of
2: her tracking, the tracking device that was on her.
1: Yeah. And then we also have the only, the ones she sided with in the fight are all currently locked up in prison. So clearly they aren't going to come help her either. Except for Cap. Cap's the only one who's free, but also Cap probably also has to lay low on his own and can't keep track of what's going on with uh, Black Widow.
0: Yeah, him and Bucky would have been like in recovery at this point. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, yeah but that, that was the uh, one thing that I had in my mind the entire time of or. For most of the movie, towards the end, was the fact that, compared to other Marvel movies, this one didn't really have all that much to it going on. It's like, in the Avengers, there's all these different fights, all these different fight scenes that all build up to the final fight. Where this one was just... We're a family. A dysfunctional family, but a family. And we're gonna take down these uh, brainwashed assassins, and that's it.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, like thinking back, Which, there was
2: it was there... a different feel from the rest of the Marvel movies, but in a good way because it gave them a chance to flesh out the characters that they brought in and the story revolving around them.
1: Like thinking Which back on it, did quite it feels like... well. It feels like there was like fucking five plot points to this movie. It was the like prologue when they're kids, her in Norway, them in Budapest, and then them as a family together and then the fucking Red Room. Like it it did really well, and I enjoy each of the scenes. It's just I feel like if I tried to list all the details of one of the other movies in the MCU, I feel like I'd have to cover a lot more, whereas this one felt like it really like took its time with the different scenes and like explored the scene for a lot longer so it didn't have to keep flying around the world and dealing with different problems
0: yeah i think that's what's going to be was people looking at the biggest flaw of this movie is that because it came out now and where it takes place we're following a character that we all know dies and can't come back and a lot of people are going to probably be asking well what's the point of this and i feel like it doesn't actually add anything to the universe except for these new characters. And honestly, I'd say it probably feels like this movie is more of an origin story for Yelena instead of actually a Black Widow movie. Like, this movie itself was the passing of the torch almost.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. bringing in Yelena, potential of the Red Guardian, and the other liberated Black Widows.
1: And Taskmaster.
2: And Taskmaster.
1: We can probably talk about the big flaw of this movie, which is that It was clearly written to come out after Civil War, and we all know about the fact that fucking Marvel Studios was not confident that a female-led superhero movie was going to work, so they just straight up didn't make this after having a script that worked at the time they had written it for, until fucking Wonder Woman came out and did massively successfully, to the point where Marvel then realized they could probably make the Black Widow movie, which is why this movie feels so disjointed with the time it takes place and the characters involves, because like the big reveal it has that feels like it has any impact on the other movies is like the explanation of where black widow got her vest. And it's just, it turns out it's the vest Yelena bought for herself. And then it was the first thing she ever bought. So she gave it to black widow when they parted as a sign of showing, Hey, we're closer as sisters now. Yeah. Like there wasn't any payoff that made it any different if it had have come out before Endgame or after Civil War, for that matter. The one thing that would have changed is they would have had to have done a different post credit scene exactly. because of the fact that the post credit scenes relies on the fact that Black Widow died.
0: I mean, to be fair, if they would have done that, like say this movie didn't come out immediately after Civil War, but say it came out like just before before, before Endgame, yeah, before Endgame. And then it had that fucking end credit scene where it's like, you want the person that killed your sister and then passes over the photo of Hawkeye. That would have been so fucking hype going into Endgame. Oh, yeah. Like, wait, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah, that what? would have been pretty fucking hype, I will admit. I Yeah, I do think the fucking post-credit scene definitely could have still worked if this movie, say, came out between Infinity War and get, Endgame rather than after Endgame or before Infinity War. Yeah. I just the movie as a whole feels like it was written to take place I mean it does take place after Civil War but it was written to be released after Civil War and they just updated the post credit scene for when they actually got to release the movie.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. This movie was good, but it's very clear that it was more of unfortunately an afterthought and Black Widow didn't get her time to shine in the you know, the franchise before she died.
1: Yeah, like the the fucking cool moments from this movie that we see in later movies. It's the fucking Han Solo movie problem of if you watch the Han Solo movie after having watched the original trilogy, all of the neat nods they make to the original trilogy. It's just like, you don't really need to explain where he got his dice from. You don't really need to explain why he has the last name Solo. So any of the shit that happened to this movie, it just feels weird to see the origin of stuff that comes up later on. Like, we know Black Widow dyes her hair blonde because there's a scene in this movie where she's looking at blonde hair dye in the middle of the movie. And then she later on has blonde hair in fucking Endgame. And it's just one of those things where those moments would have been a lot cooler in the opposite order. If we had have seen her get the vest, then watching Endgame, you'd be like, Oh my God, that's the vest that she got from her sister rather than just it's a vest. And now watching this movie, it's like, that's the vest she's wearing in Endgame, I guess. Like, it doesn't add emotional impact to find out after the fact why things were the way they were. It would have been a lot more impactful to see this stuff before Endgame and then be able to go back and see, like, oh my god, that's the fucking vest we saw her sister wearing. Or, hey, her hair's blonde. Like, the blonde hair dye she was looking at to disguise herself. Yeah, it's that's, just
0: that's yeah. definitely the case. Because I didn't even, like catch on to the fact that that was the vest she had in Endgame, because I didn't remember what she had costumes design-wise in Endgame, because it was just a vest. And they're adding exactly. the importance after the fact.
2: And then there's also the kind of reverse aspect, where since we know what happens after this movie, and the fact that uh, Natasha is A-OK after the events of this movie, then that completely rules out any possibility that she might be in any sort of danger for this movie? Like, what if she gets brainwashed when facing off against uh, Drakov?
0: Yeah, and I guess and it's then kind uh, of the her sister with...
2: has to take over. But you know that issue is already dealt with in the future. Yeah,
0: that's so kind we of don't have the to problem with it. any prequel that we know the exact outcome for.
2: Yeah.
1: There's a couple ways they could have... Yes, there would have been major changes to the MCU, but there's a couple things they could have done with this movie that would have kind of completely erased that problem uh, that I can think of. So the first one I can think of... Kill off is Black Widow movie. and it
0: was Elena the whole time in Endgame wearing the mask.
1: Yeah, <laughs> essentially, is we see very early in this movie that Black Widow and Yelena have fucking identical fighting styles from their fight in Budapest, and it's just... The fact that they fight so naturally and have fairly similar body types, like, they're not identical, but they're relatively similar, and we know the mass technology works. It could have been a reveal that the Black Widow who died in Endgame was actually Yelena carrying on the mantle of Black Widow. That's one
2: investigating, thing. Investigating...
1: Uh, and then that would have been the ultimate giveaway.
2: Investigating Hawkeye because she believes Hawkeye is the one who killed Natasha. Uh,
1: there's also... This is almost what I thought the post-credit scene was going to be and would have blown my fucking mind. Once again, yes, major fucking story implications and would have sent ripples through time that they'd have to deal with. But they established very early on in the movie that they have this whistle response they use on each other where Yelena does a whistle and fucking Natasha whistles back. I know and it's exactly their way what of, you're like,
0: going to I thought confirm- the same thing.
1: Yeah, because I'm sitting in the theater watching the post credit scene and it's Yelena walking up to Black Widow's grave, like, putting flowers, like, being a little contemplative, and then she rests her head on the headstone and she does the whistle. And I 100% assumed what was going to happen was we would hear the, hear the whistle in response and then the screen would cut to fucking black. Yeah, I was and just thinking would, the
0: exact same fucking thing. I was like, are they going to fucking do
1: this? And everyone in the audience is left like, Is Black Widow alive, or does someone else know about the whistle? What the fuck's going on? They even could have done it the same way and just have it revealed that Valentina has more information than she's letting on, and she's the one who whistled in response to, like, prove that she's a friend of Natasha and convince Yelena to join the evil guys. But, I don't know, they said a big deal of setting up the whistle that when it came up in the post credit scene, that's 100% where I thought that shit was fucking going. Yeah. So that's all I'm trying to say is there are ways they could have made even minor changes to this movie that would have felt like they had more of an impact on the other movies, even having come out after the fact. Uh,
0: So I kind of want to go back to the Taskmaster uh, concept in this. So where it left off, we found out Dracoff's daughter was Taskmaster. She already naturally had the ability of watching and learning, but she was kind of like super soldierized with the mind control stuff. Chip in her back yeah yep well how do you guys feel about this not being like taskmaster from the comics
2: um when i saw the reveal i was immediately reminded of the fact that well i immediately thought that her identity doesn't really line up with what i remember you guys saying but i'm not familiar with uh, the comic book taskmaster so it doesn't really matter all that much to me
1: Fair. Um, I'm a big fan of the Taskmaster character from the comic books because he's such a fucking ridiculous character. So I'm a little bit disappointed that they're doing it differently because of the fact that it's not really a power that she has. It's a lot more so the training and computer program in her brain or whatever that allows her to do the things she does. Which means we don't get some of the fun storylines we had with Taskmaster. I mean, uh,
0: to be fair, we it was confirmed that she already kind of had the mimic like, power, like she's really good at observing and noticing this stuff, but she definitely had a lot of technological enhancements to aid in that.
1: Yeah, I just mean, the fact that it's not handled the same way as Taskmaster like, yes, there are similarities, but it's not the exact same. It's highly unlikely we'll get the same uh, storylines that we got with the fucking Taskmaster which I'm a little bit disappointed in because I was a friend of the character, but I do think they handled it well enough that I don't actually have any issues with Antonia. Was that her name? Uh, being the taskmaster.
0: Yeah. I think my concern with it, like I don't mind the changing of like what the character is, but this pretty much cements, I don't think she's going to come back as a villain in any aspect. Cause it played off as if she was forced to do everything and she hated it. And taskmaster yeah. has always kind of been really great when he's like, forcing the heroes into like really like desperate situations because he can mimic them.
1: Oh yeah. So- that's what I mean by like my favorite plot lines with Taskmaster. Cause to go into a little bit more detail about Taskmaster, cause Matt, as you said, you're not as familiar with him from the comic books. His whole thing is he has the uh, kinetic recall, which is essentially photographic memory, except he can do it for the actions other people perform with their body. And then he can perfectly reproduce it himself regardless of the actual logic behind that the idea behind it for Tony Masters is that storing that kinetic information in his brain takes up so much fucking space that he regularly forgets who he is or his relationship with other people just so that he can store as much memory about fucking kinetic movements as possible. So there are storylines about him being a training agent for shield who just helps other people train. And then he just straight up forgets his identity gets picked up by like Hydra or some shit. And then just like, hey, by the way, you're our undercover agent who was working for S.H.I.E.L.D. the whole time. And he's like, oh, okay. And he just like goes along with them because he has no memories and people just take advantage of him. So he gets used as a villain. And yeah, sometimes he just straight up chooses to be a villain, but it's just the way they presented Yelena or not fucking Yelena, uh, Antonia were highly unlikely we're ever going to see any of those plot lines because she still seems to have memories of who Black Widow is, which means she doesn't remember shit from when she was a child, so she clearly still has a normal memory like other people.
0: Yeah, and I'm fine with it being, oh, this is Dracov's daughter, his taskmaster and all that stuff, it's just, I don't see them going down the villain route with this character. Yeah. But that does mean we have the potential of them being, you know, possibly, they'll end up working on this Thunderbolt team of some sort or something like that.
2: Yeah, because, uh, I mean, it's clear that she doesn't hate Natasha, and uh well, there's always the possibility that she's recruited by uh Val, yeah, because Natasha is dead, and, as according to by Val, was killed by Hawkeye. when actuality was a kind of a contest between the two to see who could kill kill themselves faster. Just Natasha one.
1: Clint Barton was explicitly going out of his way to try and keep Natasha from dying. But then again, uh, Valentina clearly is lacking in the scruples department and is willing to lie to get what she wants. Yep.
0: Well, to be fair, we don't know that for sure. She could be just as misinformed as the person who got the data, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, because it's also entirely likely that anyone who asks Clint about it is not going to say, he might not tell it of the story of she killed herself trying to stop me from killing myself, because Clint clearly is going through some shit during the time of Endgame, so it's entirely possible he came back and when someone asked him what happened, he without going into explicit detail said he's responsible for her death because he probably does feel responsible for it. He'd
2: certainly blame himself for it. Yeah,
1: that man so clearly entirely- wasn't mentally stable. We
2: saw that
0: haircut.
1: Yeah, so it's entirely possible that uh, Valentina uh, just got the news that he said he was responsible and just took it at face value.
2: That, or uh, we've in, or or we're just interpreting what we saw a little bit off. Maybe she's not referring to Hawkeye as her killer. Maybe she's referring to Hawkeye as the one lead they have towards how she died. But more than likely, she's referring to him as the killer.
1: Or as we've already suggested, they're starting to go down the uh, multiverse route. So maybe that post-credit scene actually takes place in a parallel dimension where Hawkeye just straight up killed Natasha in the fucking Budapest. And that's just how that went down. Who knows?
0: It's hard to say at this point, and we won't find out until, because it's uh, Marvel What If next, and then we're getting Hawkeye. Yeah. So that should be close to the end of the year. We'll get the Hawkeye series and find out what happened, because I believe that's in autumn.
1: Which, to be fair, I think we already discussed when we were talking about uh, upcoming Marvel ideas that the Hawkeye artwork for the show seems to indicate that it's a lot more likely it's going to be following his daughter rather than Clint Burton himself. Well, not his daughter. So,
0: we're getting uh, Kate Bishop.
1: Uh, Kate Bishop, or. that's what I meant. Not his daughter. But yes, uh, it seems a lot more likely that we'll be following Kate Bishop. Uh, in which case, it could very much be that Clint unfortunately dies to. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but it's possible that he dies to Yelena, accepting responsibility for Natasha's death and feeling that that's the right thing to do. And as a result, we're following Kate Bishop becoming Haw- Hawkeye in that series.
0: Hard to say. I mean, I feel like it is gonna fall into the passing of the torch type route. As uh, Hawkeye is now, I think, the only mainline Avenger who never got a solo movie. Yeah. So he never really had a character set up to take over his role on the team. So I feel like this is what that series is mainly going towards. I, I could see them killing off Hawkeye, but I don't know if the whole story is gonna revolve around his death.
1: Yeah, I. And I don't necessarily mean he dies at the beginning, and then it's about Kate Bishop taking over the role. But it could very well be a plot point during the series that he dies and Kate Bishop now has to fill in shoes that she had been training to take over. Yeah,
2: yeah. like Kate Bishop has to clear her father's name.
1: Well, Hawkeye's not her father.
2: Something like that. Or, well, or, or that. Or, her yeah. mentor's name. Her mentor. Clear her mentor's name for supposedly killing... Natasha or something or other. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I am definitely more interested in the hit Hawkeye series now after this movie than I was before. I'll admit that much.
1: To be fair, Marvel's getting real fucking good at pressing that button in my brain, though, where with like we had almost two year stint of just no Marvel content. I guess it was really like a year and then we started getting the uh, Disney Plus series Uh but two years without a mainline movie. And yet with each thing that's come out after that break, I just get more and more excited for the next thing. Like WandaVision came out. I enjoyed it. I got excited for Mephisto and winter Mephisto that came out. I got excited for Loki. I watched Loki. I got excited. Not necessarily for black widow. I also got excited for black widow after Mephisto and winter Mephisto Loki came out. I got excited for Loki season two, as well as, uh, Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Like they're, doing a real good job of not even directly setting up, but just building hype for future series that's coming from them.
0: Yeah. So is there any standout scenes or anything in particular you guys really liked about this or disliked?
2: All of the taskmaster scenes. Phenomenal. It's like Grappled to a support on the bridge as she's swinging back through the air on the grapple. Cuts the grapple and swings back at Natasha. And then later on in the movie with the arrow, deflecting the arrow off the road into the bottom of the Jeep. So smooth.
1: I wouldn't say I'm disappointed by these scenes, but given Black Widow's nature, there was a lot of scenes that seemed very action heavy when I was hoping for a little bit more espionage heavy scenes given that she's supposed to be the world's greatest spy in the MCU. So the fact that there were scenes of her falling from a five-story building and hitting every vent on the way down and then getting up and walking away as if she's perfectly fine. like She's explicitly not Tony Stark. Well, Tony Stark also would not be fine. She's not fucking the Hulk or Captain America or something like that. So there was a lot of scenes of her just getting the shit kicked out of her relentlessly and then walking away from it perfectly fine when I probably would have preferred a little bit more espionage from this movie. Not that I'm upset with what I got. I'm just saying that is one change I would have liked to have seen.
0: Yeah. Actually, I think probably one mm-hmm. of my favorite scenes in this was the more spy heavy one, which was the whole reveal of uh, her and uh, what was it um, Milena? Milena. Uh, yes. Yeah. The yeah, when they swap faces. Yeah. And then her whole like stare down with Dracov.
1: Yeah. The intrigue scene of her talking to Dracov was really great. I enjoyed the fucking callback we get after she finds out what she needs to know from uh, Dracov when she says, thank you for your cooperation, which is a callback to the fucking first Avengers movie when she gets the information she needs from Loki, and then says, thank you for your cooperation. Um, of course, in this one, she then proceeds to bash her face on a fucking desk. Yeah, the thing I love about this, <laughs> Yeah, because
0: the, the reveal is that he has like a pheromone inhibitor that if they smell pheromone, they can't take an aggressive action against him. So the whole plan is like, well, we need to sever that nerve. So she uh, purposely goads him on to beating the shit out of her face so that it will break the nerve. And then after she gets the information, she's like, I'm so sorry. You're just so weak. (laughs) It's like normally in this scene, like, oh, he would totally broken the nerve being his own downfall but they play it for a joke where he's so weak that she has to then finish it herself by smacking her into the table
1: yep to be fair that is also 100 percent where i thought it was going when she was goading him into fighting her because like oh yeah the reveal that she can't take aggressive actions against him and that he has a pheromone blocker which is words i never thought i'd have to say um that keeps her from taking aggressive actions once she starts goading him into kicking the shit out of her i was just like oh this is one of those things where like he's gonna punch her in the face and like I don't know, break her nose or something so she can't smell anymore and then she'll be able to attack him and then they later have the fucking cutscene of like you need to sever the nerve to be able to attack him and it's just like I don't think he punched her hard enough to sever any nerves and then she has the line of unfortunately you're too weak so it just bashes her fucking forehead on the desk so I'm gonna
2: have to finish the job myself what are you talking about
1: yeah I really enjoyed that scene
2: Back in their back in uh, Melina's cabin, as soon as uh, her and Natasha were having that conversation and Melina said that she had contacted the Red Room and they're coming, they're on their way now, I'm like, oh, that's their plan on how to get in there. Yeah. I, because I it's so no secretive, guess. turn yourselves in.
0: Well, like, especially where we never got the scene after, it's like, this is what's happening. And then the next time you see her, it's just passed out Natasha. It's like, well, clearly there's a plan here, right? Like, she's not yeah. turning on them. She's going to work with them. Uh, yeah, I, I was a little not expecting them swapping places. But when uh, Red Guardian started, like, pouring out his heart about, like, how was like, he was. like, there's no way like, that's Natasha. Yeah, Natasha's the one in the room. Yep. <laughs> he fucking tries to do it three times. He just has to be uh, yeah. like, fuck
1: it. I'd screw it up anyways.
2: He tries speaking through the earpiece that he doesn't have. (laughs)
1: He's like, uh, yeah, that's probably the best part of that whole scene, is him trying to speak through the earpiece he doesn't have, and Milena's like, you don't have an earpiece. And he's like, well, then give me yours so I can talk to Natasha. And she's like, Natasha doesn't have an earpiece! We only had one pair! And it's just, like, fuck you, too bad you can't tell fucking Natasha your feelings, and he's just like, alright, I get it. And it's
2: like, well, why is it only you two? It's like, yeah, it was Natasha's choice.
1: Cuts back. She's like, oh, we only have these two. What should we do? Uh, I know the plan, and, uh, I know the plan. And Melina's gonna, or not Melina, Yelena's gonna want to. You know the plan, so you should probably give one to her. Yeah,
2: and not the uh, the dumb drunk on his glory days, Red Guardian.
0: Uh, so, actually, there is something funny I wanted to talk about on that. So, one of the plot points is obviously Red Guardian being a super soldier, just kind of like Captain America. But he's not quite the same. But at the same time, we also know that until... Um, what was his name? The scientist from uh, Captain America... Uh, well, Falcon and Winter Soldier. He was the first one who was able to resynthesize something close to the super soldier serum. Yeah. Which... Maybe they're thinking, like, well, where did Red Guardian get his serum from? Because the only other Russian super soldiers we know of were the ones in Civil War that went batshit crazy.
1: So, uh, my understanding, because the scientist from uh, F- Mephisto winner from Mephisto, I'm not even going to try and say the real name, Um Scientist from that one. You're referring to the one in like modern day who resynthesized it and also made it so that it doesn't make you get super jacked, it just makes you like lean and still powerful. You're talking about that scientist?
0: Yeah, because uh for uh Red Guardian, if he had the actual super serum that the other ones do, so the three Captain America well, two of them only have had the super serum at this point, he doesn't have the physicality of it because it looks like he's aging and he's like, you know, getting fat from like poor health, like health habits where Steve Rogers himself had such a high metabolism that he couldn't even get drunk.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's the same offshoot as the one that the winter soldier program used to buff up, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Bucky, uh, as well as the other soldiers that they were training at the time. Uh, that's my understanding at least because he was in Russia and that's where they were doing those initial tests is that, he was a part of that same program. And it just so happened to work out that he, or not even necessarily a part of that same program, but the super soldier serum he was injected with was an offshoot of that program in the same way that we know that, uh, Isaiah Bradley from Mephisto and winter Mephisto also was given an offshoot of the Hydra super soldier serum, uh, in order to try and test his skills when he was in, uh, the Vietnam War, I want to say, is the war he was in that he got the Super Soldier Champs. yeah, we know that even though no one had perfected it until that scientist did in Mephisto and Winter Mephisto, we know that throughout history, since Captain America first came into existence, lots of different scientists around the world had at least taken attempts. So I assume Red Guardian was an offshoot of the Russian secret science group also trying to reproduce it, and it's just... Clearly, the one they made was not as effective because of the fact that it clearly, as you pointed out, his metabolism wasn't as efficient as Steve Rogers's. I also think part of Steve's physique is, like, we see that he's clearly dedicated to that and that, like, we see him take dozens of fucking laps around the Jefferson reflecting. Oh, yeah, or like the Steve Rogers, Rogers being,
0: like, super muscly and all that stuff is, I think, based on the training but I don't think if Steve was like, fuck it, I'm only eating like deep fried ice cream and beer from now on. I don't think he'd get fat. He'd probably just get like thin.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. I definitely think that the one that Red Guardian had was worse. I just think if he actually took the effort to stay that trained, I think he would have no problem staying as in shape as Steve Rogers. It's just between the, uh, the fucking serum not being as efficient because As we know, no one perfected it since fucking Steve. Uh, So a combination between it not being as effective and also him just not being willing to put in the work to maintain is probably why he got so out of shape.
2: But also, when you look back into the past scene that we had at the beginning of the movie, he wasn't ripped at the beginning of the movie. No, No, he was just
1: Uh, you take that back. Dave Harbour is a (laughs) muscular man. Uh, well, I mean, we do see that he's definitely super fucking strong when he, like, lifts the fucking trailer and flips yeah. it over.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there's actually, uh, the reason I asked this, because I wanted to kind of get into something. So if he has the same serum that the other Russian super soldiers were a part of, it, we were had to confirm that all of those soldiers went insane, and that's why they were frozen. But I've seen kind of, a collective internet theory start coming up around this that I kind of really like and I want to talk to you guys about. And the idea is that the Red Guardian isn't actually a super soldier. He's a mutant.
2: Oh.
0: So the idea goes that the he did get some sort of serum, but it didn't make him a super soldier. It wasn't for that. It activated the genes in him that are mutant genes, which gave him strength and all that stuff. So that explains why He's super strong without having, like, the super soldier other traits that they tend to have. Because he's strong and he's really skilled because he has that combat training. But he just doesn't quite match up with what we know for super soldiers. And this is also a theory that people have used to explain why he ended up in the prison for life as well. It wasn't that the guy didn't like him. They were able to identify he was a mutant. And this could be them setting up the distrust or hate of mutants as well.
1: I, I can definitely see that. I... I think it's also entirely possible that he was a super soldier. And the reason he didn't go insane is because. Well, he, I think based on the timeline, he must've been a later iteration than the ones from the winter soldier program. And there was clearly a lot of psychological training going on there. Cause they were all American soldiers who were forced into becoming secret uh, super soldiers who had their minds fucked with repeatedly. Whereas the red guardian, Uh, Alexei, whatever his fucking name is, was clearly always a Russian, so they might not have had as much of the mental reconditioning going on with him, which might have kept him from going insane, because they kind of broke the brain of all the other super soldiers and then built them back up and clearly fucked up somewhere along the way, whereas they might not have had to have broken his brain when making him a super soldier, which is why he might not have... Like, he's clearly a little bit silly, but he clearly didn't go insane like the others, and that's Potentially, why?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's you the thing. guys are just overcomplicating the whole thing. It's it's the Hulk logic. He's just always been insane.
0: I mean, uh, what we do find out from the Captain America version of the Super Soldier is that it makes the good great and the bad worse. And I think we could identify that he was like, you know, always kind of like self like embellishing. And then when he took the serum, it just made him brag a lot more.
1: Yeah, but also clearly there was a little bit of a good person in him, because uh, he also clearly cares about his daughters once it's pointed out to him that he's acting as though he does not care about his daughters. Yeah. So, I think... I'm calling it now, fucking Red Guardian might be the most well-written character in all of the MCU, because everyone else is just good or bad, and it's starting to seem an awful lot... Like, fucking the Red Guardian has shades of grey throughout his character, so. Best written Marvel character of all time? I don't know. That's for <laughs> someone else to decide.
0: So is there anything else you guys want to talk about for this
1: one? I think I got all the thoughts out of my head.
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I'm finished.
1: Yeah, overall, it was a
0: good movie. I think, unfortunately, if it doesn't do that well, it's going to come down to that fact of it was just released in a weird period for the series, when we honestly should have had this like years ago.
1: Yeah, I think, as we said, ideally it comes out after Civil War, uh, before Infinity War. Worst case scenario, I think it still could have worked if it came out between Infinity War and endgame and it just would have created more intrigue as it stands the release timeline was not ideal for the movie um but yeah i think i think it's definitely an enjoyable movie and i think people should see it i think if it doesn't do well i think that's entirely the reason it's not going to do well but i'm also worried that if it doesn't do well Marvel is going to assume the reason it didn't do well is because it involved a female-led superhero movie or some shit like I that. I mean, I
0: hope not, because I actually am excited for the next Captain Marvel, or as it's being called, The Marvels, and we're getting the Miss uh, Marvel uh, Camilla Khan uh, Netflix, not Netflix, uh, Disney Plus series, which I'm actually very excited for.
1: Oh yeah, I really hope they don't take it that way, because there are a lot of female superheroes who have interesting fucking stories that I want to see more of. It's just I am worried that that is the way they will take it. True. All right. I guess we have nothing else to share about this movie.
0: So uh, what do you think the uh, good question for this one will be?
1: See, since we talked about the potential, uh, I know we didn't land on a conclusion, but the potential of Red Guardian just being the way he is because he was a weird guy who got injected with the super soldier serum and it made him both good and bad. I kind of want to know what people think would be a very interesting character to see you get injected with the super soldier serum just to see what the good is great and bad is worse version of random fucking characters throughout the MCU would become so not because Marvel of counts. their superpowers but just like how it would affect their mentality
2: yeah like Nick Fury what if he got the serum
1: he just becomes hyper fucking paranoid he doesn't even tell people his name anymore
0: and he wears two eye patches
1: yeah he wears two eye patches
0: <laughs> or fucking Loki gets injected with it <laughs>
1: I think Loki getting injected with it is the cause of the entire Loki series, if I'm being honest with you.
0: He starts multiplying.
1: Yeah, he starts splitting off and creating variants of himself. Matt, you gotta watch that fucking show so I can talk about it in front of you.
0: Yeah, so I guess the question for this one is, which Marvel character should be injected with the super serum, and what gets enhanced?
1: Yeah, I don't care about how they become super powerful. I care about how their personality becomes fucking weird as a result of it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, So uh, our last question from the last episode was, uh, how will Fast 10 one-up Fast 9? Uh, Did we get
1: any answers for us?
0: So we do have one. Uh, This one is from Instagram, uh, Tachi underscore Camargo. And uh, their answer was, they will find a way to the center of the earth.
1: Ooh. See, I like that because to expand on Tachi's brilliant idea here, they find a way to the center of the Earth and find that there's just uh, gas pedals and gear changes at the center of the Earth and they start driving the Earth because as we referenced when we were talking about this, the Earth is just a giant car anyway, so.
2: it's just a giant wheel. It's always (laughs) rolling.
1: (laughs) They just find the, like, driver's seat for Earth.
0: Now, uh, I I got an idea uh, and you guys have heard the rumors about uh, Fast and the Furious like crossing over with Jurassic Park, right? Yes. No. So there's rumors about that, and every time we get a journey to the center of the Earth story, there's dinosaurs in the center of the Earth. So this might be the setup for it.
1: Oh my god! So just so we're all on the same page, they go to the center of the Earth. They don't find dinosaurs. They find dinosaur eggs. And they're actually the reason for Jurassic Park existing is Dom returning and just like handing a fucking uh, dinosaur egg over to Insys or whatever the fucking company InGen. from. InGen. InGen. That's what it is. Handing a fucking dinosaur egg over to InGen because fucking Hammondruthers are... No, that's not his fucking We find
0: new. out that the whole Fast and the Furious series is actually just the prequel to Jurassic Park.
1: Yeah. Oh, that'd be fucking beautiful.
2: They had to reunite the dinosaur
1: families.
0: (laughs) You never turn your back on family.
1: Then we see the sequel to Jurassic World, the most recent one, uh, and it's like Dom showing up to help the Indominus Rex because since he found the egg for the dinosaurs, all the dinosaurs are now his family.
0: (laughs) I'd watch it. I'll be honest. I'd fucking watch it.
1: Yeah, it's perfect as a fast and the furious movie cuz I would shut my brain the fuck off and enjoy every moment of it.
0: Oh yeah. So, uh, do you guys have any recommendations for something that's you're interested in or people listening should take a look at?
2: Yeah. My recommendation is for a nice Jackie Chan movie titled The Spy Next Door. <laughs> Jackie Chan plays a reti- retired CIA or retired CIA operative once spy and uh, moves into a house next to his girlfriend and ends up having to take care of her kids, trying to hide the fact that he's a spy or was a spy
1: very nice.
2: The fact that it's a Jackie Chan movie, you know that doesn't go all that well <laughs>
1: I remember watching that movie. I have no memories of the movie itself. I
2: remember enjoying it. I don't remember many of the details, though. Do I Fair have to enough. rewatch
1: it? Uh, well, my recommendation uh, is for *The Bourne Supremacy*, which is one of my favorite w- entries in the Bourne series. But also the reason why wa-
0: we have shaky cam in every action scene. For-
1: Oh no, shaky cam started much earlier in the Bourne series, <laughs> but yes, uh, definitely partially responsible. Uh, this one is largely considered to be the worst one of the born series because it's the only born movie that features absolutely zero Matt Damon. Um, it's the one that stars, uh, Jeremy Renner. So you get a little bit of the spy movie and a little bit of the character, you know, from a Marvel movie, all in one movie. It's a great fucking time. Uh, It also, because it has the super spy, but it's not Jason Bourne. There's still combat, but if I remember correctly, they tone it down slightly compared to the Bourne movie. So it's a little bit more spy-y, but still definitely a lot of punching and kicking and shaky cam. I don't know. I enjoyed it and I found it a very enjoyable movie.
0: Uh, So I'll admit, uh, I was thinking of recommend Moonraker 007 because it surprisingly shares a lot of plot parallels with this movie specifically. Uh, but the one I actually decided on was the original Ghost in the Shell
1: movie. Ooh. The the Scarlett Johansson movie? No,
0: the original one. Oh. Uh, The non-live-action one. like The original Ghost in the Shell movie is like really good, and it does fit a lot of the themes you would expect uh, kind of watch. If you go from this movie to that one, you're going to notice quite a bit of overlap on ideas. Nice. In fact, I think the only reason Scarlett Johansson got cast as Motoko Kusanagi in the live-action version was because she, uh, Kusanagi is such a character that like, trying to draw a line between them and uh, the Black Widow is actually surprisingly close.
1: Makes sense. So did anyone correctly guess our Instagram hint? Uh,
0: no one as of yet, but if they do guess it before the episode does go up, we will, of course... Uh, Call them out in the update on Instagram as well as we'll mention them at the beginning of the next episode.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, uh, so with that, uh, that ends the episode for today. So if you would like to suggest what the podcast could be about or have a suggestion, you can always email us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com. That is spelled uh, the way words normally are. Of course, you can get this podcast at every major podcasting area as well as on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. Make sure to leave a like, write a review, give us stars, give a thumbs up. Uh, word of mouth is really the best way for uh, you know smaller podcasts to get around. Though we have had some sturdy growth due to the amount of people that actually do tune back in. So thank you for that. And then finally, uh, make sure to tune in in a fortnight when we discuss our next
1: topic. So uh, we're gonna get a little bit more low key with this one. Talked a lot about family recently, so in this next one, we're going to be talking about Fucking, this piece of paper says family, but a family of the same person. That's. That's not a family. God, that's some fucking bullshit variant shit. <laughs>